When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and today I will be talking with Nina Mandelson who is, she calls herself a body peace coach, which I think is such a lovely title. And I found her as a Be Nourished certified practitioner. Be Nourished is an organization that helps people stop the war with their bodies. And I have been following along with their work and have just started doing more of their trainings just to better understand what kind of language to use with someone, including myself, when they are making peace with food and body issues. So I hope you enjoy this episode. She has so much to share and she will talk more about her own practice. And she has a free ebook called How to Be a Woman at Ease in Your Body. And I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Hi, Nita. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Family Brain. Oh, Megan, I am delighted, delighted to be here. So I reached out to you because I saw that you were one of the Be Nourished certified providers, and I actually just started taking uh, their course to, to learn more about the program. And basically, I realized within my therapy practice that there were a lot of people who were struggling with food and body issues, men and women, um, young and old. And I just felt like I had done a, a fair amount of research on my own, my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And that it's such an ongoing process and that I didn't really have the language for it, like to help someone else then when yes. I'm still kind of helping myself. So I was so excited to find you. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about just what got you into this type of work, what got you yeah. started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, what got me started is my own relationship with my body, right? My own relationship with my body was crappy, really, right? I grew up in an era, and unfortunately, we're still in this era where women's bodies and men's, but the focus for me being a 
woman identified was what should a woman's body look like? And so that was always instilled in me. So there was always this striving. And I grew up thinking, oh, I should be taller. I should be blonder. I should be thinner. I was none of the above, right? So there was always this place of I need to control my body. I need to manage my body. I need to make it smaller. And the way to do that, right, was always dieting. So it came from this really a body hatred, body shame, and trying to find a way to feel comfortable in what I consider our home, right? Our, this is where we live is in this body. So if it doesn't feel good, we don't feel good right? How we feel in our body impacts everything else that we do in our life. So my foundation in this work is from trying to heal my own body, but that also turned into a whole professional path of, um, I started as a body worker, doing massage with women and having my hands on women every day and hearing their body stories, right? The trauma, the shame, the injuries, the illnesses, how women felt about their bodies to the point where I was like, you know what? I think I need to go back to school. And I became a therapist. So then I was working with women around their body and their mind together, emotions. And I was still struggling with compulsive overeating and a lot of unwanted eating behavior and a lot of um, unwanted thoughts, around what I felt about my body and the body hatred and the body shame. So then I started to combine the body trust work, psychology of eating work, all of those pieces came together because it's not just about the nutrition. It's not just about our beliefs and our feelings. It's not just about, you know, how our culture sees us societally in terms of weight stigma or fat phobia it's all of those pieces together you know I call it the nourishment dynamic how do we feel supported you know in all aspects of ourselves I love that do you remember who what what person you first were led to that kind of shifted that mindset for you that there was even another option I'll tell you it was, and I don't remember, unfortunately, I don't remember her name, but it was years of therapy. And I actually wrote a poem about it um, of a therapist who I would say, you know, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, I'm feeling this. And she would say, but if you weren't feeling fat, what would you be feeling? Right? If you weren't feeling fat, what would you be feeling? And that idea that fat is not a feeling, fat is a descriptor, fat is also a placeholder for many other feelings, right? I feel uncomfortable with the conversation. I feel judged. I feel not enough, right? So often we turn against our body as instead of feeling the discomfort of life or our anger or disappointment or our outrage at society, right? Oh, there's something wrong with me. So that idea that the problem was not located in the size of my body, Right. There was something underneath that to me was a big like, oh, something mm-hmm. else going on here. Yes. Yes. I love that. I remember I this was after college and I think I didn't really know 
how to take care of myself. You know, like I had my mom and mm-hmm. then I had college food available and then I was working and just had to figure it out. And it just wasn't really going very well. Yeah. And, um, I remember praying like, please, like I need some help here. And, um, I found the, um, author, I believe her first name is pronounced Janine Roth, Janine you know, Roth. Yeah. Janine Roth. Yeah. And, um, and she ended up happening to be speaking nearby and I went to see her and I was like, this makes so much more sense to me than everything else that had been, you know, presented yeah. prior yeah. to that. And I think Janine Roth has, has added so much to the conversation and created language about it. I still think there's part of her message that's a little bit, um, has, has a little still this idea of weight loss baked in okay. or this idea that's like, I feel like there's still somewhere for her to expand into. Um, and maybe I don't know her whole message, but there's a, when I listen, I still, um, it's like, if you can get all this right, then you will get this idealized mm. slim body. And it's okay. like, well, wait a second. Mm. Let's unattach from this body ideal that we're raised on as though we are a better Mm. person. We are smarter, more productive, more all of that, that messaging that gets baked into thinness, right? The only way for us to reestablish a powerful, positive, caring, respectful, authentic relationship with our body is to unhook from or to even recognize all the falsehoods and the messages that were being sold Mm -hmm. by a $72 billion diet industry, right? So when people are like, but but I just want to be thin, of course, right? There's $72 billion telling you that thin is better, right? There's a whole society that's been um, inculcated in this idea that if we're thin, we're better. And the reality is there is thin privilege. We're treated better if we're thin. We're treated with more, we're assumed to be smarter. We're assumed to be more productive if we're thin, right? There is more available to us getting into an airplane seat without being uncomfortable getting sitting in any chair without being uncomfortable so that our whole culture has a certain thinness as an ideal right that makes it like of course we would want to be thin and then there's the whole health industry right you're thin you're healthier if you're thin but we all know very slim people who are not healthy and we all know very slim people are healthy and we all know very people who live in larger bodies who are unhealthy and people who live in larger bodies who are very healthy so that idea of thinness equal healthiness is actually not true yeah and that was a big learning for me too i had to push back with one of our pediatricians one of my kids was approaching puberty and they were giving them stuff about weight. And I was like, no, no, my no, no. hold is up is what is necessary to grow into a human adult. Yes. And that this is not even presented to medical staff. Like it, no. it, and I, it, I didn't know either. So I kind of, I get it that it wasn't, but it's just, we've got to make a change there because how much harm are we doing by 
at so, that age. Mm-hmm. So, so much harm, especially at that age. So there's two times, and I, I can really speak to the uh, experience of women because I've worked with women for 30 years. So, the, so most of what I'm saying is based on that information. Um, I, I'm sure much of it holds true to men, but I don't have the evidence to back that up. Um, but one of the pieces of information that's so fascinating is that there's two parts of a woman's life where we're most susceptible to disordered eating and eating disorders. One is moving into puberty, into childbearing years, and one is moving out. Those are huge times where our bodies change naturally right? Our bodies need to change. It is part of our biology for them to change, right? So as a body is getting ready to make that change into puberty, there are going to be body changes and hopefully a little bit of weight gain to support us in that change. And then what does the medical industry say to us? Oh, no. Here's some diets. Why don't you think about going on that? So the person you're going to to support you in your well-being is telling you, your body is not okay, and you should fight its natural changes. Yeah. <sighs> it's right? intense. It was intense. I think I had hives all over my neck when this was going down. And it actually led to a very good conversation around kind of challenging authority. Like just because you you are there and this person is the authority, you still have to use your brain and know you know, when you need to stand up for yourself or, or maybe get another opinion or question the information they're providing you, because uh-huh. that's another thing we're so trained to do is just, okay, okay. You know? Yes. So what you're talking about is setting a boundary and it's very hard for us to often set a boundary, especially around our bodies, right? Because our culture, right? That $72 billion industry is telling us, oh, this is how you should be in your body. Here's how to manage your body. And so right away, what that does is it interrupts our own relationship with our own body, right? We, we're born into a place of, I trust my body. I'm hungry. I cry, right? I need to poop. I need poop, right? Like I need to pee. I go pee. We don't hold our pee for 10 minutes when we're a baby, right? We get, we get learn into not trusting our body. And so when we go to our doctors and we go to medical professionals, I know they are well-meaning. And often what they do is interrupt our authentic knowing of our own body, right? You know, you're in the presence of a really great um, medical provider when they're, well, what do you feel? What do you notice? Tell me more, not let me tell you what your experience of your body is, right? That disrupts this conversation that we so deeply need to be having with our own body so that we can access our own body wisdom instead of going, well, how many calories should I eat? And should I have eaten that? And maybe I shouldn't eat that. And what diet should I go? Maybe I should do keto. Maybe I should do paleo. Maybe I should do intermittent fasting. Like we don't even know what our body needs anymore because that relationship has been disrupted. We've forgotten how to be in the conversation with our own wisdom and our own knowing. Yeah. That makes so much sense. It almost reminds me as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know how they say like, as soon as like skinny jeans are out, then bell bottoms come back in. Cause we've already made as much money as we can off of the skinny <laughs> jeans. So now we're going to do bell bottoms. And yes. it almost seems similar to weight, you know, th- like 
fat-free. Okay, well, that's run its course. We got to get a new thing going. And it mm-hmm. just kind of shifts. And I wonder yeah. how much of that is based on how much money it's making, you know? Absolutely. Know. You know, there's, there's a million diet books, right? Each of those diet books worked for at least one person, right? But it wasn't you. <laughs> it wasn't for your body necessarily. So it's, you can look and go like, okay, I tried this and I tried this and then go, what's the matter with me? Why did I fail? It's not that you failed. The diet industry failed you. One of the things I often say is the statistics around dieting is it's really quite remarkable, right? 95%, 95% of people who go on diets gain their way back, if not more, in two to five years, right? So basically that whole diet idea doesn't work for most people. And another way to think about it is if you went to buy a car and they said, this car is in two to five years is not going to work. In fact, it might drive backwards. You'd be like, well, I'm not going to invest in that. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever thought. I'm not going to throw my hard earned money at that car. And yet we do it over and over with diets because there's the promise, this one. Mm. will be. And then we get all excited about it. We're like super, and it goes great for a little while, right? That's the honeymoon phase of a diet. And then, oh, this is really hard. It's frustrating. Why can't I have enough willpower? And then it sort of crumbles and then we fall apart and we end up at the bottom of this diet cycle feeling like I failed. Mm -hmm. What's the matter with me? How come everybody else can do it, right? How come everybody else can eat like a normal person? And then we go, okay, what's the matter with me? We feel bad about ourselves. And then, oh, maybe I can find another diet. Mm. Maybe there's something else. And that diet keeps people caught in two Mm. kinds of relationship with themselves. Body hate and body shame, right? That's at the bottom. Like, I hate my body. I feel so ashamed. I got to do something. And body management. That's at the top. Oh, I got something new. I'm going to try it. This is going to be it. Want to do Weight weight Watchers with me? Want to do Slim Fast? Want to do Intermittent Fasting? Right? Like, oh, yay. And I'm going to manage my body. Mm-hmm. But those two relationships that most women are trained into, like, really? Is that how you want to spend the rest of your life? Either hating your body or managing your body? It's crappy. It's, oh, it's horrible. It feels bad. And we're always obsessing about what we ate. We're always feeling bad about our body. And really, we have better things to do with our time. I don't know if this is true, but I remember reading at some point that the the thin ideal came about when women had the right to vote and how that it could be tied together of like keeping people quiet and small. I don't, I don't know. Do you, so, so yeah. So, um, so it's, connected in there. It definitely showed itself at that time, but it actually showed itself before. So fat phobia has its roots in racism, right? It was a way for um, white middle class, upper class to separate. See, thin is the ideal. Thin is what's fashionable. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a different body, which women of color, right, were in that different body, then you're not okay, But we have this ideal and we're going to design fashion for it and we're going to sell to that and we're going to make that better. 
right? So that was the, that's the beginning mm-hmm. of the roots of um, thin ideal. But then each time women would come to power, right? Christy Harrison writes really beautifully about this in her book, Anti-Diet. Each time women come to power, whether it was during um, the right to vote, or it was during the time of um, like uh, women's lib, right? So during the time of vote, of course, it's got tight. During the time of women's lib, Christy got, um, Christy, uh, Twiggy got super thin, right? She got thinner and thinner and thinner. So this as women were getting bigger energetically and powerful, they were asked to be smaller, mm. literally have their breath taken away. So it is, it's baked into our culture. And when we can see where it comes from and how it's so deeply steeped into our culture, we can start to make our body not the problem. It's so easy. And I hear this all the time from clients, like something happened, it was a challenging situation. And then they say, well, you know, and then I start to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm too fat. Maybe I should go on a diet, right? Oh, it wasn't what happened out there that was the problem. It was me. Mm-hmm. My body's the problem, right? It's the way we become our own fall guy. It's it's pretty heavy stuff. Like, where, so if, if many people, most people are in that sort of cycle, when you, when people come to you and feel like enough is enough, I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. How do people get to that shift point? Cause I think that's, that's a challenge is just even being open mm-hmm. to trying a new door. Yeah, absolutely. That's so beautifully said, right? So that idea of being open to trying a new door is to one of the ways that can be so helpful is to realize that the door of our unwanted eating behaviors, the door of our not being happy with our own body is a doorway into our growing and learning as a human, right? So if we can see it instead of, oh, my unwanted eating behavior or my unwanted um, size of my body, instead of it being something to fix, it's actually, it's a bit of a mind bend, but it's a gift. It's a doorway to walk into deeper understanding. It's a doorway to um, transformation. It's a doorway to really liberating our mind and our body. So if we can walk into it and say, okay, I am done. I'm done with the fixing. I'm done with the everybody telling me how to be. And I'm done with feeling like a failure. Instead, I'm going to step into a sense of freedom. And I'm going to step into what I call the body peace path, right? I'm going to step out of the war with food and body. And I'm going to step into peace, right? I'm going to start walking a different direction towards being an ally for myself, It's so many women that I talk to feel like my body is the enemy. Food is the enemy. Oh, I love food too much, you know, or I hate food. It's so, it just, I always end up feeling bad or I hate my body. It's a war, Mm -hmm. right? So if we can say, you know what? I am done with the war. I would like to be living in peace. So that's like the first sort of turn onto the body peace path is saying, okay, this is a different way. And 
I deserve to feel free in my body. I deserve to feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. The next step is really from this place of learning to connect in, learning to trust our body, learning to listen to our body, learning to r- really sit with the greatest teacher we have, which is our own body. In, in your work, I'm thinking, you know, if this work started because you were having your own struggle mm-hmm. and here you are helping all of these people, what have you noticed about your own like trajectory as you yeah. work with people? Is it an ongoing journey or is it like what I've noticed for myself <laughs> is that it's the an ongoing done. journey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish it was right. a switch. Like, yeah, right. done. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. We all wish it was like an on off switch. Body peace is a practice. Mm-hmm. right? Trusting ourselves is a practice being in relationships. So the thing, um, often people, when they, you know, meet me and have no idea what a body piece coach is or anything that I do, I sort of say, well, I'm a little bit like a marriage counselor, but instead of with a woman and her partner, I am sitting with a woman and her relationship with her body, right? That's what I'm, that's the relationship we're working with. So like any relationship, right? A relationship you have with your partner, your parent, your kid, your friend, we don't just be like, okay, here's a sticker. This is the perfect relationship. And now we're always perfect and nice and fabulous. Mm -hmm. No, like there's days when like, I think my partner is like the best thing since sliced bread. And there's other days when I'm like, seriously, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Right? That's just human nature. Right. right? We're in an evolution in a relationship. We're in a practice of being being connected, of listening, of being trusting and um, supportive. That's what a good relationship is. So that's what we want when we're in relationship with our own body. We want to have that supportive, ongoing, sustainable relationship, right? That's where diets, right? The two, they go, they start, the car starts driving back in two to five years. The diet stops working in two to five years. We want long-term. I talk to women who are in their seventies who come to me and say, I just don't want to die hating my body. I've hated my body my whole life, right? We do not want to be that. We do not want to be 70 and hating our body, 80 and hating our body. Mm -mm. That's not what we deserve. That's why I wanted to get better trained to help teenagers because it's like, this is the beginning. And it's just, if we can save some of those years of just, you know, because I think that that's when you start to put those pieces together. So if somebody's listening, maybe you're not a teenager, but you have a teenager help them get resources to, to mm-hmm. understand how bodies work and grow and change. And, um, yeah, but I, I think it, it some of it is just that language of how yes. to talk to people about it. Um, so one of the things when you say the language of how to talk to people, so it's one of the things I'm really passionate about because it's something we don't have language for. Mm-hmm. We were not trained into how to t- talk about our body, about the relation. We weren't even taught that it was a relationship, right? There's no word. So it's part of why I um, write body poems, right? It's part of why I find words that can 
describe the relationship that we are having and how important this practice is of being in communication. And when you talk about teenagers, right? One of the most powerful things, absolutely, we want people, you know, like you who are working with teenagers, working with families, but as women, one of the most powerful things we can do is focus on our own relationship with our body. Because what we say to ourselves, when we look in the mirror, and there is a younger person watching, speaks volumes to them how we carry ourselves, whether we hide in the back of a picture, whether we're tugging the shirt to hide our belly, you know, when we walk into a room because we're ashamed, speaks volumes Mm -hmm. to how the younger generation is supposed to feel about their body. So if we can do the work of healing our own relationship with our food and our own relationship with our body and feel like we have a freer relationship, that does enormous amounts to support the younger generations. Right. And then it's not just words. And I think that's what got me to be more interested in this be nourished training is I'm like, I'm going to help people. And I'm like, girl, you better help yourself first. You know what I mean? Like I have to make sure I'm keeping my own self healthy if I'm going to, and that's sort of what the family brain is about is like, exactly what you said. If, if we're not starting with ourselves, it all trickles out. And it's like, you know, so many parents want to focus on their kids, but if you're not taking care of yourself, it's, it's kind of a backwards. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. We have to be in our own work and demonstrate that we're in a process that we're practicing, right. We don't have to be perfect. Who is. Yeah. And who wants to be like really perfection. It's just, again, once we get into that world of perfection, we're into that world of idealism, right? And we're in that world of striving and trying, right? Which feels very restrictive Mm -hmm. and it feels very tight. And that restrictive, tight quality, we can't hold for very long. It feels exhausting. It is not our nature. We want to be in more relaxed in flow, in laughter, in joy, in, in just more fluidity. So we need to release that idea of there's this like right size and there's this right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's very freeing personally, once you realize that, but mm-hmm. it's just, and that's the part that I'm like, gosh, I wish I had understood earlier or believed it because you hear it, but you're kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? But so to truly believe that there is another way of being um, is powerful. So there's two, two things in what you said is so important, right? One is hearing it and the other is believing it. So there's a client of mine who said, you know, as we were starting to untangle her relationship with her body, she said, I feel like I like when she was, she was like, I feel like I've been in this abusive relationship with my body and I never learned that there was another way. I feel like I missed that day at school. I was like, oh no, you didn't miss anything. We were never taught that. Mm -hmm. We were told to manage that our body was the enemy and you better get in control, right? So one is like, some of us were never told that. And then the other to believe it 
that takes a process that takes support, right? A lot of the programs I do are with groups of women because it's so powerful to be like, wait a second, how do I integrate this when everything in my mind and everything in the media and all the magazines is telling me that, you know, seven, lose seven pounds in seven days. Well, well, don't I want to do that? Right. So to be supported in this more feminist model, in this more um, body centered model, in a much more freedom based model of living. Yes. No, that's so right. Um, Well, I am loving everything you're talking about. I'm wondering if there's anything that I haven't asked you about that you were hoping you'd be able to talk about. I want to make sure people know where to find you and what you offer. I saw, I just signed up for your free ebook. Um, so that should be coming to me soon. Yes. Um, so, uh, two things. One, I would love to share one of my poems with you. I would love that. If that's okay. And the other is people can always find me at my website, which is ninamanelson.com. And there's a lot of cool free stuff on there and courses um, and videos. There's just a lot of information and resources uh, that can come your way if you want it. So. um, Oh, and find her on TikTok. Oh, yes. TikTok handle. At Nina Mandelson, Instagram at Nina Mandelson, Facebook, Nina Mandelson Wellness. I also have a free Facebook group, Nourished Woman Nation, which is a wonderful group of women. Um, We're almost 2000 now uh, who are really, again, that idea of like, surrounding yourself steeping yourself in this message that you are not a your body is not the problem right? You do not need to be fixed. Yes. Do we want to tend to ourselves better? Do we want to to be compassionate and caring towards ourselves? Absolutely. We do, but not from a place of picking at faults, right? From a place of championing ourselves, from a place of supporting ourselves, from a place of deep compassion and caring. That's where we want to, that's how we walk the body peace path. So the poem that I would love to um, share with you is, is called We Got the Body Thing Wrong. And it speaks to that, that idea that our body is this thing to be fixed, right? We got the body thing wrong. We got it wrong because we were taught it was a thing. Our body, something to be dealt with, to be managed, to be monitored, to be measured. We got it wrong because our body became it. How could this wondrous collection of cells, wisdom, and energy be an it? It puts our body over there, separate from us. It keeps us from being connected. Your body, she, he, they, goddess, is connected to you. She is you. Our parts are all connected, body, mind, soul, spirit, feelings, but she Your body keeps getting left out. She gets ignored, objectified. She gets managed. Try calling her she or darling or lovey or whatever name you call someone you truly love. Try that and watch a relationship unfold. Beautiful. I love that. It's amazing when poems are spoken like how they kind of get into your system in a different way. Completely different. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah. It is very cool. Thank you for sharing that. That was beautiful. Thank you. So one of the last things I typically ask people on the show is just what they do to sort of take care of themselves as they're doing this work of helping others. Like what are some of your go-to or touchstone habits that you know really keep you, especially in this wild world we're dealing yes. with right now? <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. So for me, one of the things I really know works for me is water. So water in all forms. I drink a lot of water. I drink a lot of herbal teas. I swim when I can. I even got a wetsuit this year because I couldn't get in a pool anymore. So I could go swim longer in the spring and longer in the fall. Um, I'll do floats, right, in isolation tanks. I'll walk by water. For me, water is a reminder that it's all flow. That we can't, because I can get really tight, right? Oh my gosh, I got to get this right. Or I got to do this. Like it's that, that perfectionism that sort of starts to trickle in of expectations and water is that like wait a second it's fluid we're all fluid we're all in process we're all flowing that's so beautiful I love that I want to thank you so much for joining me today it's been such a pleasure to talk with you and get to understand your work a little bit better oh thank you Megan so much for inviting me really a pleasure Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Family Brain. If you'd like to get more of The Family Brain, please subscribe to this podcast episode. And you know what really helps us is if you subscribe and leave a review or a rating. So I'll be honest, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I still sometimes have trouble finding where I leave the review. So if you go under episodes, at, to the very bottom, you got to scroll through all the episodes that are on there. And at the bottom, there is a spot to leave a review or a rating. It has a, an example of a rating that's already been left. And then there's a little purple box that says write a review. So check that out. I don't know why they make it so challenging to find, but it is. And if you want to be a part of the Family Brain community, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, Family Brain Podcast. You can also listen to old episodes online. Family, FamilyBrainPodcast.com has the older episodes. And thanks so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.